0: Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. If you've read my devotional books, you know I have lots of little children in my life. They are my delight for sure. I love it when we play together and go places and make things. I'm eating it up because I know too soon they will be teenagers with busy lives and better things to do than play with grandma. Part of my job is not as much fun, though, and that is to train them to be godly adults and support the ground rules established by their parents. When they do something wrong, I have to deal with it, and that includes insisting they verbalize what they did wrong and why it's wrong and then have them apologize in our walk with the lord we call that confession it's painful for them and it's painful for me i don't enjoy seeing them so uncomfortable squirming often lying about it or minimizing the truth or blaming someone else it doesn't matter whether you're five or 55 admitting our failings is hard It evokes embarrassment and shame. But if my grandchildren don't learn to do this as kids, they certainly won't do it as adults, and that's a problem. I love them too much to let it slide. So what is confession? Why do we need to do this? And what happens if we don't? Confession is simply telling God the thing we did that was against His will and asking Him to forgive it. Confession is living honestly, acknowledging when we've done something wrong. That's it. Pretty simple, right? But like I said, that simple sentence can evoke some painful emotions. At least I hope it does. We can get to the place where our callousness toward our sin has seared our conscience, and our sinful behavior doesn't bother us in the least. That's a serious problem. It's better if we do feel some guilt about it. This means our conscience is still working. Guilt might motivate us to change our ways and not become a repeat offender. So the feelings serve a useful purpose, a purpose for your good. You see, the reason God asks us to confess our offenses against him is for our benefit. I mean, think about it. This information isn't for his benefit. He already knows. And it isn't so he can shame you and make you feel worse. He wants you to share everything with him for your benefit. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus wants to save us from our sin. He proved that through his death and resurrection. If Jesus wanted to condemn us, he never would have gone through with the crucifixion. There would have been no need. We were already condemned, so we have no need to fear going to Jesus with our sin. He loves us, and his intent is to save us and restore us, He wants to take away our sins so it doesn't harm us anymore. That's always been his heart. You can trust the man who died for you. The world condemns us. Satan condemns us. But Jesus saves us. Let us keep those matters straight in our minds. Jesus knows that our sin, our rebellious deeds, our wrong choices are like a cancer that eats away at us, stealing our peace, making us sick, and tormenting our minds. Unless, of course, as I mentioned, we've crossed over into that really dangerous territory where we no longer feel anything when we sin. Psalm 32, verses 3 to 5 in the NIV says, The psalmist said he wasted away until he finally confessed his transgressions against the Lord. I wonder how many sleepless nights, diseases, cancers, and mental health issues have their root in unforgiven sin. Psalm 38 verses 3 to 4 says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head, like a heavy burden they are too heavy for me. The psalmist sounds like he's drowning because of his sin, that it is unbearable. This is not God's plan for us. Sin is a healing issue, and the remedy is to confess it and receive forgiveness from Jesus. God has provided a way out, if we'll only take him up on his offer. Jesus died to make us free sin takes us back to bondage it breaks Jesus heart to see us in bondage he gave everything so that wouldn't happen John eight thirty four to 36 says Jesus answered them most assuredly I say to you whoever commits sin is a slave to sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Sin leads to slavery. We are his children and no longer in captivity. When he forgives us, he makes us free again. Confession keeps us out of prison, a prison of our own making So where does this fit in with salvation? Didn't Jesus forgive all my sins when I received him as a Savior? Then why is this important? Good questions. The answers found in John 13. Peter had a problem with this issue. What happened was that Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet just before his death, and Peter said, no. He felt it was wrong for Jesus to stoop down and wash his dirty feet. And so protested. Jesus responded in John 13 10 by saying, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. Salvation is the full bath. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are washed clean. All our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven and forgotten. God promises to never remember them or act upon them again. So why do we need to confess our sins after we've become a Christian? Well, first let me reassure you, you never lose your salvation. What we're talking about here isn't a condition of retaining your place in heaven. Jesus said, you are clean. As long as you believe Jesus is God's son and that he died to cover the payment for your sins, you're saved. Your eternal life is secure and nothing can change that. However, that doesn't mean it's okay for us to go on sinning because our sin is a barrier. If you don't believe in Jesus, you aren't clean at all. Nothing about you is set free. When Jesus made that comment about not all of you being clean, he was referring to Judas. Judas might have been hanging out with Jesus for three years, but had never accepted him as the Messiah, the Son of God. And as we know, he went on to betray Jesus. It's not enough just to hang out in a church or in a Bible study or talk about spiritual matters. We must actually ask Jesus into our heart and declare our belief in order to be forgiven of our sins when we do our sins are forgiven all of them for good the problem with sin is that it leads us down pride pathway away from god away from his best for our life and toward bondage my grandmother passed down to me her recipe for parker house rolls boy are they good There's nothing like a homemade yeast roll. The recipe starts out by activating the yeast, so I put it in some warm water with a little bit of sugar. It's crazy what happens after that. I have to remember to put it in a fairly large container because it just keeps growing and growing. What began as this teaspoon of dry granules then causes the flour mixture to vastly expand. It permeates every bit of the dough. Jesus said, sin is like yeast. It permeates our entire life in a nasty way, though, not a tasty way. Until sin is confessed, it is an active agent harming our life. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 to 8 in the NIV says, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Sin is not innocuous. It isn't innocent. It isn't no big deal. Minimizing our sin will ruin our spiritual life and our walk with God. And the reality is that this is exactly what we do when we sin. We excuse it and justify ourselves. Psalm 51 verse 4 in the NIV says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Our sin offends God and it messes up our life. It fuels our pride and slowly makes us blind to God's voice. The voice that is trying to help us to stay on trust trail and live the life he created us to live. Sin blocks our intimacy with God because it is offensive to him. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Sin is a barrier in our relationship with God. If we just let it continue unchecked, our walk with the Lord will be seriously marred. So we need regular foot baths to clean off the recent dirt we've picked up. We are fools to avoid the issue of our sin. A better strategy for staying healthy is to get right after it. Tell God what you've done and ask for his forgiveness. Once you've done that, make sure you accept his mercy. To confess your sin and not receive God's mercy is like attending your own birthday party and not opening your gifts. Mercy's the gift. It's the point of going through confession. He mercifully releases you from all guilt. I've heard so many pray and ask for forgiveness, but when I invite them to say out loud, I have received God's mercy, they struggle. Some can't even speak the words. Why? Because they don't feel worthy to be let off that hook, to have their account settled with God. They don't mind praying through the ugly thing, but then they don't feel like they deserve His forgiveness. So they just confessing their sin over and over, multiple times, hoping one day they'll feel like the prayer worked. That's terrible. It's missing the whole point. None of us deserves God's mercy for any of our sins. God forgives our sins out of love. It was his love for us that sent his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. It is his love, not our worthiness, that erases our sin. To refuse his mercies, to say what Jesus went through on the cross wasn't good enough. Do you really want to say that to Jesus? Our sin offended God in the first place. Don't offend him again by refusing his mercy. There are a lot of things that do take time in the healing process. Changing our victim identity takes a long time. Facing our painful events from the past can take time. However, this part of our healing is instant. It may be the only instant thing about healing. In the Healing Journey class, we help students cross this important step. When you pray and confess your sin, God immediately removes that sin from you for good. He washes your feet right in that moment and you're clean again. It happens in the blink of an eye as soon as you let it go. So make confession a regular part of your daily time with the Lord. There's a great passage in Psalm 139. You can pray this prayer right out of your Bible, verses 23 and 24 in the NIV. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The Holy Spirit will answer that prayer. Take God up on his offer to relieve you of your burdens. Don't carry them around anymore. Whatever reason you may have for doing so is not a good reason. And it is not based on truth. The truth is that God wants you to know the freedom and healing that can be yours when you do a little business with him. Walk in humility, not pride. Next time the issue of sin comes up in your life, let the Lord set you free. All scripture is from the New King James Version unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.